Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For more information or to keep up on current events and products, please go to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. Father, we just come before you in the name of Jesus and we just thank you, Lord. Father, just for the gift of your presence. Father, for the gift of the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, that made a way that we could step into the presence of an Almighty God anytime we want. Father, we thank you for the assurance of faith and the boldness that you give to us, God, because the, to- the veil was torn from the top to the bottom, God, we can step in. And so, Father, we thank you for the gift, God, of your presence tonight. We worship you, Father. We give you glory, honor, and praise, and we pull on your hem, God. We pull upon your kingdom, Father. God, and we place a mighty expectation upon you because you're a God who is greatly to be expected for. What a mighty God you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. amen. Let me tell you a little bit about our ministry in Texas. Uh, we have a ministry called Crazy Eight Ministries, uh, and there are several different services that we offer. Um, but our mission, in a nutshell, is to attack um, poverty one person at a time. And so we do that by offering free biblical counseling to people in our community, as well as a long-term housing program where we house uh, men, women, and children. Um, so for those of you who have not heard, we do house men now as well. We currently have a total of about 51 residents. 26 of those are under the age of 12. So we have lots of itty-bitties as well, so we're very excited to be able to do that. Um, We've been doing that since 2011, and just coming alongside people and really just offering them the chance to start over. I love the name Reset because that's what we're doing, is we're we're offering them the chance to reset their lives and to start over. I really like the idea of koinonia. How many of you guys are like, what does that mean, koinonia? How many of you have never heard that word before, koinonia? Fantastic. Pretend like you're about to be enlightened. Um, so koinonia actually comes from the Greek, it is a Greek word in the Bible, it occurs 20 times in the Bible. The primary meaning of koinonia means fellowship, sharing in common, community. Of Koinonia, of course, is in Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to read that to you, and it says this. And with many other words being testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. I'm starting in verse 40. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And here's where the word koinonia comes in. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And that word koinonia there is very unique. So a lot of us think, well, we're just going to have fellowship, and we have this understanding of what fellowship means. But there's a very unique word here, a unique meaning, meaning that we're going to share things. There are, some, there are things that we are going to share in common. And this is a challenging things, a thing that we, we have nowadays in our culture, to be willing to come together and share things that we have in common. But the one thing that all of us have in common is Jesus Christ. Once we've come into salvation, we have this understanding of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit rushes into our hearts and brings a unification that the world can't bring. It's a unification, if we allow it, that supersedes our differences of opinions, our differences of political stances, our differences of gender, our differences of beliefs. And so what 
because Jesus comes and he brings a unified opportunity that the world doesn't bring us. And that's the koinonia that we're talking about. When he's saying they would share things in the, in the church, they were literally sharing things. So they, they literally would share things like the breaking of bread, all of these things. But this, I believe, is a part of the outcome of what God is saying to us. We are invited into a koinonia type of opportunity, but on a metaphorical or on a spiritual level, what he's saying is there's something greater. There's something more common in which you share. So there's a Christian fellowship that is a key aspect in our Christian life. And it's not a command that we're given. It's an invitation. There's an invitation that we've been given, an opportunity that we've been given through the Holy Spirit to experience a kind of fellowship that the world doesn't get. And there's an invitation in there saying, come and spend time one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. There's lots of different places. In Philippians 2, 1 and 2, it declares, if any of you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, if any comfort in his love, if any fellowship, and that's the word koinonia, but listen what it's saying, fellowship with the Spirit. Saying we first and foremost experience this commonality with the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. And it's the commonality that we have within our own hearts with Jesus Christ that gives me the commonality with people this way. You understand what I'm talking about? And so it's a different kind of fellowship than what the world offers us. It goes on and it says, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being. Now this is the outcome. Okay, so remember he said, because you've been united with Christ and you have fellowship with the Spirit, here's what the outcome is. You will be like-minded, having the same love, being of one spirit and of one purpose. See, koinonia is being in agreement with one another, being united in purpose. Our koinonia with each other is based on the common koinonia that we have with Jesus Christ. So it becomes very easy. So what this says to me is, if I'm having a hard time walking in reconciliation with my brother, my challenge isn't with my brother. My challenge is with my own relationship with the Lord. And this is what we're going to be talking a lot about on Thursday, is how do we walk in reconciliation with each other when I haven't first been reconciled? And I'm not talking about salvation. You understand it's possible for me to be saved, but still not have things reconciled in my relationship with the Lord. It's possible for me to be saved and still not have things reconciled in my own heart. It's possible, certainly possible for me to be saved, but not have things reconciled with my brothers and sisters in Christ. 1 John 1, 1, 6 and 7 says this, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. Walk in the light in, in fellowship with one another. And so it becomes easy, if you will. And so fellowship, that word, and, and let me break it down for you. In the Greek, it's, it means this. Fellowship, association, community, communion, joint participation. Now this is the Greek, the, the full Greek definition for the koinonia, the word fellowship there. It also, it also denotes the idea of intercourse. Okay, now that's pretty intimate. That's pretty oneness, okay? But I'm just keeping it real here because God is saying there is a oneness that we experience with the Holy Spirit that will open the door for a spiritual intimacy, a spiritual one fleshness that we can have as a body of Christ. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? Yeah. 
Sounds like something we should be walking in, but yet we're not all walking in that. How many of you can honest, how many of you are willing to be honest enough tonight to say conflict with a brother and sister in Christ sometime this week? Okay. <laughs> can I raise two hands? Okay, here we go. All right. <laughs> So the challenge is, is why, if there is this invitation, what keeps us from walking in that fellowship with one another? Well, there's lots and lots and lots of answers to that. One is we have our own selfish interests. Now, let me read to you out of Acts chapter 2 here right quick, because uh, I think this, is, this answers it better than I could answer it. Imagine that. In Philippians, it says... I'm going to read on. I just read the beginning of it. Comfort of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection of mercy, fulfill my joy, being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, being of one mind. And then listen, it says this, but let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each one esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interest. Now, I think we forget that part in the scripture, that it does say you do have your own interests and you should look out for them as well, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind, now that word mind there is the Greek word phroneo, and that means the exercising of my thinking and the affection of my heart. So it's a, a verb form, meaning I get to choose how I'm going to think and how I'm going to feel about something. How many feel like you're victimized by your thoughts and your emotions? Like, I can't help it. She made me mad. Uh, my kids say that to me all the time. Like, nobody has that power to make you anything. Right? So the phreneo word here means I get to choose how I want to exercise my thoughts, and I get to choose the affection of my heart. Does that sound like freedom to you? Does that sound like freedom to you? That we get to choose joy over depression. That we get to choose forgiveness over anger. Amen. That we get to choose uh, faith over fear. We, we get the power to choose. And that's what it's saying here. And so he's saying, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now let me flip to you in 2 Corinthians, and it's in chapter 5, I believe. All right, so the Bible says this, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Can I just be honest with you? I'm being challenged, right? Because I, I want to live for me. But the Bible is saying here that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Then it goes on this, Therefore, because of that, therefore... From now on, we, we, meaning me and you, regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him no longer thus. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he creation, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, why am I reading this to you? Because... A lot of times, there are several things that keep us from entering into this koinonia. Okay, number one, let me tell you this, the enemy doesn't want you to come into the pack. So, we will have our own selfish desires, we will have our own selfish thoughts, we will have our own depressive thinking, we will have our own thoughts of defeat, we will have our own thoughts of de despair, and we will pull ourselves away from the koinonia instead of stepping in towards the koinonia because our flesh will tell us to. See, it's, it's saying don't regard one another according to the flesh, but that's also saying don't regard yourself according to the flesh either. Pay no attention to your flesh, 
but have an understanding of the invitation, not just of what koinonia is giving you, but the power of the koinonia. And that's what I really want to talk to you about tonight. There's power in it. See, there's an invitation there because God knows that there's safety in the pack. How many, does anybody ever watch the Animal Kingdom? How about TED Talks, just for fun? Anybody watch TED Talks? Okay. Animal Kingdom. You know, when the lion is coming after a pack, what does he do? He veers one off and he isolates it. See, if a, if a lion goes after one inside the pack, the pack is going to protect and it's going to stand up and it's, going to, and it's going to keep the lion from being able to eat that prey. But what the lion will do is it will watch and it will, it will decide which one is the weakest. And when it begins to chase the pack, the pack begins to run, of course. And you'll watch how this lion will veer the weakest one away from the pack. Why? Because there's power in the pack. There's power in the pack. And see, the enemy knows that, but God knows it as well. Lisa has written books and hosted several live events that have inspired, transformed, and empowered many lives. Now you can engage with Lisa with her personal revelation, insight, and commentary via online workshops. Her workshops include Lighting Your Fuse, which speaks to your passion and your purpose, or her books Mastering Your Seasons, To Love and Be Loved, as well as the certification class for Biblical Counseling. These workshops are now available online for yourself or to share with others. For more information, go to lisa-schwartz.com. That's L-I-S-A-S-C-H-W-A-R-Z.com. God said, there's a koinonia that I've invited you into. I've made it possible and I've made it easy for you if you would regard yourself according to your flesh no longer. For you to step in and have a koinony of fellowship where you can be like-minded of the same mission, of the same purpose, of the same love. That doesn't mean we all agree. Okay? Let me tell you that. That doesn't mean we agree. Unity doesn't mean we all agree. We choose to come together and we choose to come to an agreeable place. But it doesn't mean I don't have an, op I don't have an opinion and you don't have an opinion. And so there's this invitation for us to come into this koinonia fellowship. And it's not just an invitation for us, but God says it's, it's the, your safety place. It's a place where you're going to find your power. It's the place where you're going to find your protection. It's the place where you're going to find your provision, everything that you need. It's interesting to me that when somebody's having a bad day, the first thing that you do is you retreat from everybody. Is that, is that not true? Am I the only one? It's interesting to me how a lot of times when people are feeling sad that they want to be alone because the enemy does not want us to connect with other people. Now listen to me. Part of our creation is that we are created for connection. We are created for relationship because we are created in the image of God and God's deepest desire is to connect with people. His deepest desire is to have a relationship with why else would he have created us? You're created in his image and the, and the enemy doesn't want you to connect. He doesn't, and he definitely doesn't want you to experience that koinonia fellowship. He wants you to feel like you're alone, that you're isolated. The enemy is so crafty. You can be in a room full of people, but yet still very isolated. Am, am I speaking to anybody in the room? He does not want you to connect. We're not talking about a connection that's just about being around people. We're talking about an intentional 
intimacy that we choose to engage in because we've been invited to. Because there's power there. The Bible says it's better to have a partner than to go it alone. Share the work. Share the wealth. And if one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, tough. Two in a bed warm each other. But alone you'll shiver all night long. This is what it says in Ecclesiastes. By yourself you are unprotected. But with a friend you can face the worst. Can you round up a third person because a three-stranded rope is not easily snapped? He's talking about the, the cord of one another wrapped up by the Holy Spirit. Now you connect and the Holy Spirit seals you together and brings a koinonia of fellowship that you will not find in this world. Now I'm telling you, when we're working with people in poverty, that is our biggest challenge. People will say to us all the time, what is your toughest resource to provide for them? Is it the transportation? Is it the childcare? Is it the jobs that they need? Is it the education that they need? All the suburban poverty barriers that we're coming up against, and those are all challenges, but can I tell you what the biggest challenge is? The biggest challenge is that we have to out-influence their circle of influence. We have to come up against the, the worldly fellowship that they think is a koinonia, not to being transformed into the same mind, but being conformed into the ways of the world. Our kids, it's so funny, they express their individuality by all dressing alike, do they not? Because they've been conformed, the, the world is teaching them to conform looking like each other. And you know what that is? You know what that's evidence of? That's evidence of, the, of, of eternity in the heart of every man. That's evidence of the Holy Spirit drawing in them. That's evidence of the seed of God that's saying, I have a desire to connect. I have a desire to belong. I have a desire to be in fellowship. To have a sense of belonging. And when I see that, I know God is in you. God has put that seed in you because he has created you to connect by the Holy Spirit to the kingdom people enemy is taking what God has done and he's twisting it to actually keep them divided from the kingdom. To keep them separated from the kingdom. See, the enemy is so dumb he can't come up with his own stuff. He just takes God's and he twists it and he uses it and he mimics it and he mocks it and he makes counterfeits. That's what he's doing. Every single one of us in here has a, has a desire to connect. We all want to feel like we belong. I tease my husband all the time because he's a big Harley Davidson fan and I tell him is it the motorcycle or is it the fellowship that you love because they have cornered the market on you got the hog chapter and we go on these hog rides and and it's not the motorcycle it's that that Harley Davidson has done a really good job at cultivating a sense of belonging for men that's what they've done Mar I mean, that's what, that's what, if you watch commercials, that's what they're doing. Hey, be like everybody else. Come and be like us. It, everybody else is doing it because they know that at the heart of every man is a desire to connect, to connect. And they're mimicking, they're mimicking the Holy Spirit and how God has created us. Psalm 133, how good, how pleasant, how beautiful it is when my brethren dwell in unity. For there it's like the oil that drips down off the head and off the beard of Aaron. 
down onto the bottom of his hem, it said, hem, it says, it is like the dew on Mount Hermon that rests upon it. And then it says, for there the Lord commands his blessings. About how beautiful it is when we come together in unity. But see, the Bible says that if we, that we get the opportunity to walk in the light as he is in the light. And then we have fellowship with one another. See, there's freedom in the koinonia, meaning I can still connect with you, but I don't have to necessarily agree with you. But there's still a unified common place where we stand, and that's in the Holy Spirit. Because I'm not ever going to make decisions like everybody. See, we've got to get over this fact that unity means I have to give up my right. I have to give up my opinion. I have to give up all these, you know, my own thoughts. I have to give up my, all these things. No, it's saying I'm going to surrender those things. I'm going to surrender those things, and I'm going to count them as rubbish. And I'm going to find a greater stance upon which I will stand. So it's about standing on the one thing that is more important than what I think, how I feel. I still have the right to communicate that. I still have the right to say, this is what I think and this is how I feel. However, how many of you can honestly say that you have some relationships in your life where you operate in fear? How many of you guys have ever been like, I have to go to lunch with Susie because she'll be mad if I don't go? <laughs> yeah. You, you don't know Susie. Oh, you know what? It's just easier to go because I don't want to poke the bear. Because we get manipulated. We get manipulated and there's no freedom in that. But tonight what I really want to do is I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you in really asking yourself what's keeping you from that koinonia fellowship. What's keeping you from that koinonia fellowship. And when you are feeling separated, when you're feeling discouraged, when you're feeling less than, Press into people. I said press into the people of God. Because if you're coming out of one circle of influence, it takes two years of a new circle of influence. That's why they say, oh, you get an education and you'll... It's not the education. It's the two years of new circle of influence that changes a person. And that can go both ways, by the way. Okay? And so I'm saying that you've got to choose your circle of friends. You've got to choose your Metron intentionally. Now listen to me. It goes on and it says this. Acts chapter 2. This is where I started. In Acts chapter 2, it talks about the first place where the koinonia is. And it goes on and it says this. Then fear came upon the soul of soul, every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and their goods and divided them among all them as anyone had need. Okay, so this is what the Koinonia Fellowship looks like. Being, I'm gonna, there's a common communion. There's a sharing. There's a participating. It's an, everybody's on level ground. Doesn't that sound great? Everybody's on level ground. But then it goes on, it says, so continuing with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Now listen, in the first verse it said continuing steadfastly, and then it goes on and it says continuing daily. Which means this, we have to intentionally choose to engage in koinonia fellowship. If you go a week without engaging, that's why the scripture says in Hebrews, do not forsake the assembling of the brethren. It says that in Hebrews chapter 10. Hang on, I'll read it to you because I'm not that smart. 
But it says in, in Hebrews, do not give up the assembling. Do not give up giving together as we are in the act of, act of doing. So let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as in the, some are in the manner of doing, but exhorting one another. And so much more, so much more as you see the day approaching. See, he's saying don't forsake the assembly. Be intentional to come together, to come towards the assembly, to stir up love with one another, to do good works with one another, to exhort one another all the more meaning this should be an increase. That as much as you've spent time with your brothers and sisters in Christ in the last week, next week there should be more. That's what it means to continue daily. That's what it means to be steadfast in it. Meaning this is my lifeline. And that doesn't mean people are my lifeline. It means the kingdom is my lifeline. This is my tribe. This is where I belong. This is where I fit and I find my sense of belonging. Everything that I've ever been looking for, I find with these people. But then you've got to continue in it daily. Don't back out. Don't slip away. Don't fall away. Because the minute you do, the enemy will be there to attack you. He will pull you away from the pack. And remember, there's power in the pack. For there the Lord commands his blessings. God commands his blessings in a place of unity, in the place of the koinonia fellowship, where we have one mind, one purpose, one mission. It really is that important. There's power in the pack. Everybody say there's power in the pack. The opportunity to practice the power that is in the pack, that when we come together as a people of God, there is a unique fellowship that we get to step into that the world does not offer. Here's your challenge tonight. Your challenge tonight is this. I want you to really consider, I want you to be honest. Allow the Holy Spirit to really search you and seek you. And I want you to be honest, what keeps you from the pack? What keeps you from the pack? Because the enemy doesn't want you there. The enemy wants you to find your fellowship with your old friends. He wants you to find fellowship with the people. And and let me tell you, let me tell you what, we, we have residents that have come in and after six, seven, eight, nine months, they find that they have to really kind of even cut ties with some of their close family members because the power of that pack was not a healthy power. And it's time for you to really allow the Holy Spirit to search you and ask you, what's keeping me from the pack? What am I afraid of? Because remember, listen to me, connection requires vulnerability, okay? I bet you judgment is perceived judgment. Because you understand your core belief will predetermine how you perceive something. So if I believe I'm being judged, then I will perceive I'm being judged. Okay? So you you get to change your perception by changing what you believe about yourself. That's a whole nother message for a whole nother day. Basically, your core belief predetermines what you perceive your perspective and what your paradigm in life will be. But if we're honest with ourselves, we let the paradigm of life adjust what we believe. Am I right? The enemy doesn't want you to come in the pack. He doesn't want you to get delivered. He doesn't want you to get saved. He doesn't want you to be healed. He doesn't want you to be encouraged. He doesn't want you to feel joy. He definitely doesn't want you to feel love. And he definitely doesn't want you to feel like you belong in the kingdom. He doesn't want you to know that you're a daughter in Christ. He doesn't want you to know that you're a son in Christ. He doesn't want you to know that you're a co-heir. 
once you get saved, the enemy can't steal your salvation. So we don't have to wait to get to, to heaven to enjoy heavenly fellowship. And there's a heavenly fellowship right here in this room. And whether you, you admit it or not, every person in this room wants it. I know that I know that I know that. Every person in this room wants it. But you've got to ask yourself, what's my fear? What's my barrier? What's my obstacle? Because only you can take that step to get yourself set free. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For more information or to keep up on current events and products, please go to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com.